Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amen. God's word for our message this morning is the gospel for the second Sunday in Advent this year from the gospel of Mark chapter 1 verses 1 to 8, the words that I just read before. My dear fellow believers in Jesus Christ, these days before Christmas are all about preparation, aren't they? We have so many things to do before December 25th comes. Shopping, gift wrapping, baking, cleaning, decorating, socializing, making plans for the family. On and on it goes. So many things to do and so little time to do them. But you know, preparations are a good thing. The more we prepare for something, well, then the better the event is when the time finally comes. Trust me, that's also the case when it comes to sermon preparation. That's true for all of us Christians spiritually. The more we prepare for Christmas in a spiritual way, well, then the better our celebration will be for our faith. Preparation is the focus of God's word for today as we get ready for Jesus coming at Christmas. The main character to help us to do this preparation this morning is John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ. Today we listen to God's word as John the Baptist helps us to get ready for this upcoming holiday. John speaks to us for God as he tells us two specific ways to prepare for Christmas. He says this to all of us this morning. Prepare the way for the Lord. First off, humbly repent of all your sins. And then secondly, joyfully trust your baptism. When John Mark wrote this gospel, this life of Christ, he got right to the point at the very beginning of his letter, of his uh, book. He said, it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Actually, he's melding together two Old Testament prophecies. What you heard in the Old Testament lesson, Malachi for today, and then a quote from Isaiah chapter 40. And his point is clear by putting those two together. Get ready for Messiah's coming. Prepare the way for the Lord. When you have company coming over to your home, you have to get ready for them, right? You put the dirty dishes into the dishwasher. You run <clears throat> the vacuum cleaner over the carpeting. You clean the restrooms, right? You straighten up the house. You put things into the cupboard that maybe were out on, a, on, on the counter that need to be put away. You see, you want to make everything as beautiful and as comfortable as possible for your guests 
because you want to impress those guests and you, you want to make them feel at home in your place. So also in a spiritual way with God. At Christmas time, we need to celebrate that God came down to this earth and we need to prepare for his coming. We need to prepare for that birth. We need to clean up our hearts. Straighten out our paths. Wash up our souls to receive this, this holy God as he comes to us. Because to do anything less than that would be a slap in the face to him. Now the only way really to prepare for the Lord's coming is to repent. That word repent that we see throughout the Bible, the word means to change your mind. Now you may ask, change your mind? Change your mind about what? Well, John the Baptist and the whole Bible tell us what it is we need to change our mind about. First off, it's about our sin. Because by birth, by nature, we all think that sin is the way to go, right? That sin is the thing to do. Sin is very natural for us. We often do it without even thinking about it, maybe not even knowing about it, right? We imagine that, well, sin is fun. It will give us pleasure. But we repent of that when we change our mind about that. When we see that, nah, sin is not fun. Sin is not the thing to do. Because sin gets us into trouble. Gets us into trouble with God. Gets us into trouble with other people. Gets us into trouble with institutions of our society and our government and so forth. Sin brings with it shame and guilt and brings all kinds of problems into our lives. We repent. We change our mind over sin. When we confess from our heart we are not the good people that we thought we were. When we confess that this high and mighty attitude that we have, that's wrong to have that attitude. We repent when we admit that we deserve God to punish us for trying to, to live our lives without him. To repent is to throw yourself at God's feet and tell him, you know you deserve hell right now and forever in the fire. You won't hear that message in our world today, especially in these days before Christmas. In fact, you hear just the opposite of what I just said. Doesn't the world at Christmas time tell us how good we are, right? how generous we are, how giving we are, and how wonderful we are. Doesn't our world tell us that, you know, Santa Claus, he's coming to town to reward all the good little boys and girls for all the nice things that they've done throughout the year. This is paganism, pure and simple. This is the opposite of the Christmas message. The world exalts mankind at this time of the year instead of throwing him under the bus as God would have us do. God tells us to prepare for Christmas 
by humbly repenting of our sins. And the greatest sin that we have to repent of is our own self-righteousness and our own work-righteousness. That was the whole point of John the Baptist's ministry to Israel when he appeared. John the Baptist didn't appear before them and praise them for being such good Jews, right? For all their acts of charity that they did, for their, their dedication to their religion, right? And all their civic goodness. He comes before them and he calls them a bunch of snakes and hypocrites and spiritual pretenders. John's very lifestyle screamed to the people of Israel, screamed that message to the people of Israel by his living out there in the desert, in the wilderness, eating grasshoppers and wild honey, dressing up in rough camel's hair clothing. Everything about John the Baptist proclaimed to the people of Israel, you need to change. You need a change of heart. You need a change of lifestyle if you're going to receive the Messiah and truly be God's holy people. You need to stop trying to work it out on your own by yourself. You need to confess your total need for, to God to be your Savior. Yes, John the Baptist was calling on the people to repent of their sins. His message still speaks to us Christians today. What John is rebuking here still needs the greatest rebuking in our world today, and that is self-righteousness. And work righteousness, huh? Because by nature, people have this idea that there's worth in and of themselves. That we can somehow earn the favor of the deity by what we do. That we have this, this image of God that we supposedly were born with that makes us special. And that we are able to make ourselves acceptable to God if we just live up to his rules. That's our default position by birth. But it is just the opposite of what God says. Listen to what God says. I resist the proud, but give grace to the humble. Our God hates it when we brag and boast about what great people we are and what all the good things are that we do. And yet, isn't that the prevailing spirit of the Christmas season. We need more modern-day John the Baptists who proclaim the humility that God wants. Did you catch that about John himself? He says about Jesus, he is the thongs of Jesus' sandals. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. That's the kind of humility that we need in our churches, in our schools, in our places of employment, and in our culture and country. Oh yes, God wants us to respond to the gospel with holy lives, with good things that we do, with generous lives of service and compassion. And yes, it is okay to recognize those wonderful fruits of faith that Christians do, but we ought to always do so giving glory to God for what people are able to do. And so we give awards to our children at school in order to give glory to the Lord Jesus who enabled those children to do those things in the first place. 
And we thank and honor those in our families and in our church for all of their service and generosity. But that thanks and honor go to God, for he alone gave them the strength to do those things. There ought to always be a humble attitude of privilege behind all of our Christian service, whatever it may be, and not an attitude that says, hey, notice me for what I did and give me the credit that I deserve. For the Bible tells us that even our best good works are still tainted with sin and need to be cleansed. Or as my seminary professor once said, even our tears of sorrow over our sin need to be washed. So prepare the way for the Lord by confessing your sins to him and tremendous need for him. For once we empty ourselves of any goodness in ourselves, then we can joyfully trust in the goodness of the baby Jesus. Then Christmas will mean what it ought to mean to us. And our scripture in front of us today points us to our baptism as the way that God begins to lead us to that joy. And that's God's second part of our sermon as that, that God makes for us as we prepare the way for the Lord. He tells us, trust your baptism. John the Baptist was not called the Baptist because he belonged to the Baptist church. He was called the Baptist because that was the centerpiece of his work. Baptism. The word baptize simply means to wash, to wash with water. And that's what John was doing. Mark describes the baptism of John this way. He calls it a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. John's baptism gave the people of his day the exact same thing that our baptism gives us, the forgiveness of all of our sins, and with that, eternal life. Now you might ask, how could that be? Huh? How could just having some water thrown on you take away your sins? Well, it's not the water. Huh? The Bible says that baptism saves us, that it forgives our sins, because it connects us to the one who did save us from our sins. Your baptism connects you to Jesus. He won that forgiveness of sins for the whole world by that perfect life that he lived in place of the whole, all people and by his innocent death on the cross in place of all people. And that's why Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the first place. It was to be the savior of every single person in this whole wide world. But the forgiveness that Jesus earned for the world isn't given to a person automatically. You don't get Jesus' forgiveness by simply being born into this world. It needs to be received personally. And that is done when a person trusts in Jesus as their own individual and personal Savior. And that's where baptism comes in. Baptism saves a person by putting faith into, in Jesus into that person's heart. And it continues to save a person, even for us as adults, throughout their life, by holding that person in faith 
and by strengthening that faith in a person's heart. Now, baptism can do that. It's a miracle, yeah? But baptism can do that because it's not just plain water. It's water used by God's command, and it's water connected to God's word. And so baptism is simply the visible word of God, the visible gospel connected to water, applied to an individual. It saves a person because it applies the blessings of Jesus to that person. And so baptism should be thought of as pure gospel, announcing to a person that they belong to Jesus. It's only done once, but it's good for a whole lifetime. We can prepare for Christmas by meditating on and putting our trust again and again in our baptism. God's adoption ceremony for us. When we put our trust in our baptism, see, that's the same as putting our trust in our Jesus. That is a wonderful comfort to us Christians because we need that power. We need that assurance of forgiveness every single day because sin assaults us every single day. The devil tempts us with his lies, his lies that we really belong to him and not to God. And this unbelieving world around us, our unbelieving culture, fools us with its false philosophies and its grandiose ideas. And worst of all, our own sinful natures tell us uh, that we need to watch out for ourselves and put ourselves as number one in our lives in everything that we do. And so these three great enemies of ours, we often fall to them. When that happens, our baptism tells us, hey, we're forgiven. Our baptism assures us that we still belong to Jesus in spite of our falls, huh? and that we are headed straight to heaven because of Christ. See, our baptism again and again and again makes us into new people who love our God over and over and over again. What a wonderful comfort that is for us. My friends, put your trust in it. Plus, your baptism gives you and me the power to say no to sin and to live for God. Every day when those temptations to sin come, we don't have to give in to them. That's not a done deal. We can say no, huh? The devil, the unbelieving world, our own sinful nature, those pulls to sin... They don't have to be obeyed, don't have to be followed because our baptism is God's own statement of his love to us, that pure gospel brought to us. By thinking on our baptism, we're going to be laying hold of the power to resist sin and do what's right in God's eyes. Never perfectly, but always better and better as we mature in our faith, huh? The Bible puts it this way. We are buried with Christ by baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too will live a new life. Trust your baptism when you're tempted to tell lies. Trust your baptism when you're tempted to despise God's word or worship services. Trust your baptism when you're tempted to break the laws of our land or tempted to lash out to others with angry and hostile words, 
When you're tempted to do anything that you know is contrary to God's will. See, your baptism is a beautiful source of God's gospel power to live for your Jesus. Prepare the way for the Lord. Don't just drift this month of December toward December 25 without taking spiritual inventory of your life. Honestly evaluate your life in the light of God's holy law. That's challenging. That can hurt, but it's a good thing to do. And then humbly confess your sins to God, especially your sins of pride, self-righteousness, and self-exaltation. And then the most important part, then turn to your God and see how God comes to you in the baby Jesus, how he gives you his righteousness right there in your baptism so that you might, might cherish it and use it daily. Because if you do that, then Jesus won't just be in the manger on Christmas Day. He'll be in your heart. Amen. Please stand.